0: Uh, My name is Tristan. We're going to spend a bit of time thinking about that part of the Bible we just read. Let me pray before we do. Let's pray. Father, thanks for Luke's biography of Jesus. Thanks that we've been able to read through uh, Luke's gospel over the last few weeks. Um, Father, as we read this morning, please help us to see just how good Jesus is, uh, how he's worth celebrating. He is is news of great joy. Uh, Thank you, Father. Amen. This part of Luke uh, reminds me of actually a bit of a sad moment in my life when I look back on it. Uh, it's a time when I missed the party. I missed my sister's 21st. This was about 10 or so years ago, and uh, I was just busy. I had heaps of work I had to do. Uh, It was going to be a five-hour drive down to where my sister lives and then five hours back and the party was on a Saturday night. And I had to be back here for church on the Sunday morning and uh, at least at the time I thought there there was really no way around that and so I didn't go. I missed the party. My little sister. I missed the joy. I missed the celebration. I missed all the fun, the happiness of being there with her on the day she turned 21 and I stand here today, and I am sad, and I'm disappointed. I really hate that I miss that day. And I think of it because in this part of Luke that we're up to this morning, the message for us is very simply, don't miss the party. And what Susan just read for us, Jesus is telling us that there is a party, there's a celebration, something absolutely worth celebrating, there is great joy and there's great happiness, and we will be devastated to miss it. And in fact, Jesus would be devastated if we were to miss it. Uh, We've been touching down on a a few different bits of Luke's gospel this January, noticing some of the interesting things that happened to King Jesus along the way. Uh, Hopefully you remember the last couple of weeks, Uh, The king got left behind. Last week, the king got run out of town. Today, the king gets quizzed. That's what's happening in this section. You might have noticed it. Jesus gets asked three questions. And we're just going to go through them. One, two, three. As we do, we will see that Jesus is wonderfully good news. Jesus has come to save and to rescue. And that makes Jesus worth celebrating. That is a party we don't want to miss. Let's have a look. Let's start with the first question. It's actually in the very first verse that we read. So, Luke chapter 5, verse 33. Have your Bible there and have a look at it with me. They said to Jesus, The disciples of John fast and offer prayers, and so did the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours eat and drink. Now, there's no question mark there, but you can see the question, Jesus... How come your disciples aren't fasting? That's not a completely out of the blue question because hopefully you remember last couple of weeks, Ed and Bryson have reminded us that location is really important in Luke's gospel. And if you just look up the page a little bit, uh, chapter 5, verse 29, you'll see the location where this is happening. Chapter 5, verse 29, see Jesus is at a feast at the house of a guy named Levi. And at this feast, there's Jewish religious leaders there too, called Pharisees. These religious leaders are responsible for teaching the Jewish religion. But it seems like at this feast, every time the canopies come by, these religious leaders, sort of fold their arms and put on a serious frown and they say, no thanks, sorry, I'm fasting this week. And so the question gets put to Jesus. How come you and your friends are having fun while those guys are fasting? See, Jesus, you claim to be sent by God. How come you're not fasting too? Have a look at Jesus' answer. Straight to the point, verse 34. Jesus said to them, Can you make wedding guests fast while the bridegroom's with them? It's a rhetorical question. Of course, the answer is no. You don't make wedding guests go without food because a wedding is a celebration. Fasting, on the other hand, fasting in the Old Testament, fasting is all about grieving. Fasting is all about asking for God's help in really awful circumstances. But Jesus is saying, that's not not what's going on here. This is a celebration. Jesus is saying, he is like the groom at a wedding. The groom and the bride at a wedding, they are guests of honour. Jesus is saying, he is the world's guest of honour. Jesus is God's king, sent by God to proclaim God's favour. And so no, nobody should be fasting. Everyone should be celebrating. Now, I was at a wedding last weekend. Some of you were there as well. There was fantastic food coming out every few minutes. There was an open bar. Everyone was dressed up. A wonderful celebration. Imagine being there and refusing to eat anything. Imagine maybe even refusing to smile. Imagine turning up in a hoodie and trackies and slippers. That's essentially what these religious leaders are doing. They have completely missed the fact that they are at a party. Literally, they're at a feast in Levi's house. But much more so because they've got God's rescuing king there in the room with them. And yet instead of celebrating, they're stuck on being religious. They are all hung up on excluding anyone who's acting less religious than they are. And there's plenty of not very religious people around, because Levi, he's a tax collector. Tax collectors were scum. But Jesus has just asked Levi to be one of his disciples. And now Jesus is feasting with a whole bunch of Levi's tax collector friends. Jesus has just told them all that he has come not for the healthy, but for the sick, he's come to save sinners. It's the greatest news the world has ever heard. But here's these religious leaders, and they're so busy gatekeeping, they haven't realised Jesus is the gate. You go through Jesus to get to God. It's not about whether you're fast or you don't fast, if you're a Pharisee or a tax collector, belonging to God all about following Jesus, and these guys should be celebrating. So Jesus says to them, you, you've got to come around to a new way of thinking here. You've got to give up on this old way of thinking. Have a look at verse 35. He says, the days will come when the bridegroom's taken away from them, and then they'll fast in those days. Now, that's a bit of a teaser of something that's coming up later in Luke, uh, a time when it will be appropriate to grieve. We're going to get to that later in the year but it's not now. Verse 36. No one tears a piece from a new garment and puts it on an old garment. If he does, he'll tear the new and the piece from the new won't match the old. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins and it'll be spilled and the skins will be destroyed. Jesus says, if you've got a hole in your shirt don't go down the shops and buy a new shirt and then cut a hole in the new shirt and use that to patch the hole in the old shirt. You've just ruined two shirts. Throw out the old shirt. It's time to leave it behind. There's something new here and that new thing is Jesus. And this new way of thinking about what it means to be one of God's people well, it gets fleshed out for these Jewish leaders at the start of chapter 6. Chapter 6 starts with the second question. Have a look at verse 1. On a Sabbath, while Jesus was going through the grain fields, his disciples plucked and ate some heads of grain, rubbing them in their hands. But some of the Pharisees said, why are you doing what isn't lawful to do on the Sabbath? And Jesus answered them, haven't you read what David did when he was hungry, he and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and took the bread uh, and ate the pre- the bread of the presence which is not lawful for any but the pre- anyway but the priests to eat and he also gave it to those with him and then he said to them the son of man is lord of the sabbath here we go again jewish leaders want to know why jesus is breaking the rules jesus is not fitting in to their idea of the sabbath jesus is not fitting into their idea of what it looks like to be one of god's people And so Jesus talks about a time when King David and his men were so hungry, they took some bread that was reserved for priests, and they ate it. And so the Pharisees now, well, they've either got to admit that their hero David was a rule-breaker, or they've got to admit that maybe they don't understand the Sabbath as well as they thought they did. Maybe the Sabbath was never meant to keep hungry people from being fed. Jesus hasn't fitted into their idea of the Sabbath, because the truth is, they haven't understood the Sabbath at all. But you know what? Much more than that, Jesus then says to them, I'm Lord of the Sabbath. So The Pharisees love the Sabbath. They're constantly thinking about the Sabbath and talking about the Sabbath and trying to do the Sabbath right. But not only do they not get the Sabbath, they haven't realized the Lord of the Sabbath is right there in front of them. If they had realized that, they'd be feasting but they're not. Which leads us to the third question, which, as it happens, Luke points out for us, also occurs on a Sabbath. Chapter 6, verse 6. On another Sabbath, Jesus entered the synagogue and was teaching, and a man was there whose right hand was with it. And the scribes and the Pharisees watched him to see whether he would heal on the Sabbath so that they might find a reason to accuse him. And so once again, there's no question mark here, but you can see Jesus' actions are absolutely being quizzed. Now there were rules about what you could and couldn't do on the Sabbath. There were exceptions to those rules for medical things, although really only life or death situations. And this is not a life or death situation. So the Pharisees are watching closely because they think that getting this right is pretty central to being one of God's people. Verse 8. But Jesus knew their thoughts, and he said to the man with the withered hands, Come and stand here. And he rose and he stood there. And Jesus said to them, I ask you, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm? To save life or to destroy it? And after looking around at them all, he said to the man, stretch out your hand." And he did so, and his hand was restored. The Jewish leaders are sitting there thinking that being God's people, well, it's all about what's lawful and what's not. Jesus says, no, no, I've got a better way. I've got something new. Being God's people is about celebrating something good. The Pharisees are thinking being God's people is all about letting people in and locking people out. Jesus says, no, I've got something new. It's about saving people. Now, when the religious leaders hear this, have a look at verse 11. They were filled with fury and discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus. There's another teaser of what's coming up. They're going to kill him. Now, that's coming up in Luke's gospel, but for us here this morning, that's been and gone. And so we actually have even more reason to celebrate because Jesus' death in our place, that's what rescues us. That's the good news that's worth celebrating. That's the saving rescue. Jesus' death takes away our sin and brings forgiveness and makes us God's people. That is why Jesus came. He came to do good. He came to save, not to enforce Jewish laws, not to condemn people for being unworthy. He came to rescue people who need rescuing. And that's worth celebrating. And actually, that's how Luke started. Remember all the way back at Christmas when we started this series, Luke said to us, Jesus is good news of great joy for all people. That means, here today, if we belong to Jesus... He is good news of great joy for us. And look, I don't know. I don't know if it's the wooden pews or the challenge of heating this room, but sometimes we think belonging to Jesus is something to be suffered rather than celebrated. That couldn't be further from the truth. Belonging to Jesus. It's a matter of feasting, not fasting. Now, look, of course we grieve our sin. And yes, the the thought of Jesus' sacrificial death for us that is sobering. And it's true that we're called to endure with perseverance, knowing hard things we face grow our trust in Jesus. But you know what? All those things are touched. See, even overwhelmed with joy and comfort and hope and happiness because Jesus has come to rescue sinners. That's good news for us. That's such good news for our families. That's good news for our friends. It's good news for our neighbours. It's Wonderfully good news for every child and teenager who's going to come along to Summerfest this week. So look, I reckon there's two mistakes that the Pharisees have made here that we just don't want to make. First one is, they just didn't get who Jesus was. They didn't understand his importance and his greatness. You know, it's like they were at a wedding And and at this wedding, the the groom popped out to go to the bathroom. But then as he came back in, they've blocked him from coming in. They've blocked the door and said, no, 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 sorry, you you can't come in now. The speeches are about to start. You have to wait. Too worried about etiquette to realize who it is standing in front of them, to realize it's the groom. They had this religious box that Jesus didn't fit in and they couldn't see Jesus for who he really is. Please don't miss the importance and the greatness of Jesus. Please don't make the mistake of thinking Jesus is just another wedding guest, just a nice guy. He's the one person there you can't ignore. It's all about him. Or again, imagine a wedding guest who goes up to the bride and starts telling the bride that she chose the complete wrong colour scheme. You know, she should have had a completely different menu. On a day when the bride gets to make those choices, when it's all about her and what she says really matters, what Jesus says really matters when it comes to being God's people. We, we can't think that Jesus should fit in with what we would like things to be like. We might have an idea of what it means to be God's people, but if that idea is different from what Jesus says, then well, we need to fit in with him when it comes to how generous and hospitable we are, when it comes to whether we forgive people, when it comes to who we might date, when it comes to even who we choose to sit next to here on a Sunday morning. Friends, we fit in with Jesus' picture of what it means to be God's people. We don't just hope that he can fit in with how we'd like things to be. Because Jesus is the guest of honour among us. It's all about him. The second mistake the Pharisees made, because they didn't recognise Jesus for who he was, because they didn't recognise that he's the guest of honour, they missed the party. They missed all the joy, they missed the comfort, they missed the hope and the happiness that comes with knowing Jesus. If Jesus doesn't bring you real joy and hope and comfort and happiness... Please get to know him even more. Because it may be that you're stuck in a way of thinking about Jesus that's just a bit too small. It doesn't match up with who he really is and the extraordinary things that he's really done for us. So get to know him more. Keep investigating Jesus. Grow in your relationship with Jesus. And I, look, I know it's halfway through January. It's not too late to start a Bible reading plan for this year. It's not too late to start a habit or make a resolution to get to know Jesus more. Let me wrap up by going back to a verse that I kind of skipped over um, earlier. It's in chapter 5, verse 39. It's a bit of an awkward verse because when you first read it, it seems like it's saying the opposite of the couple of sentences that came before. That sort of throw away the old, realise Jesus is the new kind of idea. Um, So chapter 5, verse 39, Jesus says... No one, after drinking old wine, desires new, for he says the old is good. I reckon Jesus is picking up here on the attitude of the Jewish leaders and just how dumb it is. And I think Jesus is trying to tell us how disappointed he would be, how devastated he would be, if we made the same mistake they're making. See, I don't think it's an old vintage of wine that Jesus is talking about here. I think it's more like an old bottle of wine that's been left open on the kitchen bench for the last three days and it's got a couple of things floating in it. And Jesus is saying, please don't think that's better. That's the old wine. Don't drink that when the new wine's right here. Please don't think Jesus simply fits in your preconceived ideas of what's good and what's not. Your preconceived ideas of who he is and who he should be. Because he's new and he's greater. He's Lord of all. Please don't think Jesus will just fit in in the gaps around your priorities in life. He's the guest of honour in your life. Treat him with the honour he deserves. And please, please don't miss out on seeing that. Jesus is worth celebrating. Jesus came to save and rescue sinners. Jesus came to save and rescue us. It's wonderfully good news. It is good news of great joy and comfort and hope and happiness. Please don't miss the party. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Jesus. He is wonderfully good news. Thanks for sending him as guest of honour to the world to save and rescue sinners. Father, please may the good news of Jesus fill us with joy. Father, please help us honour him as he deserves. Amen.